On today's I Didn't Say That, we cover a week-long hissy fit from the media, including maybe the best example example of Trump derangement syndrome yet. Trump derangement syndrome that's actually leading to physical maladies in people. Um, we have that. We have so many 2020 updates. We have Andrew Yang crowd surfing. Um, everyone was in New Hampshire uh, this, this past weekend for the New Hampshire Democrat Convention. Uh, we're going to go over that. We're going to go over the latest polls ahead of today's, uh, the, not today, Thursday's uh, debate. And, um, and we're going to clean it up with some Trump tweet of the day and, um, and just some, some quick hits of and things that have gone on. We're going to have a list of four, because who doesn't love a list of four? Oh, that's right. We do have a, we have a, we do have a list of four. We, we sat through all seven hours of that stupid climate forum last and week on CNN. All we got out of it was two lists of four. Yep. Yep. And, and a day's worth of headaches. So that, that said, let's go. Uh, I was really struggling to see what we were going to lead off with today. Because the first, I think there's a lot of stuff. And, and what it ended up being is we're just going to lead off with everything. Solid. Solid plan. Um, we're going to lead off with everything. It's been, since we last spoke with you, it's been almost a week of just purely made-up scandals that aren't even meant to damage the president. It's really just filler time on cable news. It's been slow. We all know it's been slow. It's the end of the summer. Football season started. We had Labor Day. We had our first full weekend of football, both college and NFL. Saturday, Sunday. The media needs something to fill their time with. So we are now on day like nine of Sharpie Gate, which is one of the most fake scandals of all time. It was Donald Trump clearly trolling the media. By drawing on a map with a Sharpie that, yes, possibly at one point, way back in time, that Hurricane Dorian may have, could possibly hit Alabama. Obviously, everything shifted over time, and uh, Dorian went up the coast a little bit, sat over the Bahamas, obviously a tragedy there. But in talking with reporters about it's just been an ongoing Trump saying, no, I was right. At one point, there were projections at Alabama and the media going, the timeline doesn't match up. Like, you should, have, you should not have done this. We have people calling for impeachment. Over this, he committed a federal crime. Altering a weather map is apparently a federal crime. So we have writers at Politico calling for impeachment of president who was brought up on Morning Joe um, that it's time to that it's time to impeach the president over what was obviously a troll job. He, he knew the media was coming in. He drew a loop on the map. Big deal. Who cares? We've been talking about it for nine days now. And then he had that just epic troll tweet. Were you going to cover that? Because that was fantastic. Oh, the Alabama, 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 Alabama. Yes, CNN reporting that Alabama could be in the path of Hurricane Dorian. Um, there's that. There was the cat laser, the yakety sax meme. Um, that was going on there, too. Um, but this has been, as Trump supporters, we've gotten we've gotten kind of used to it. And we've, we've gotten it baked in. And nothing what the media tells us that's supposedly something that we're supposed to care about is really going to impact our opinion on the man itself. You know, Trump would have to do something that would really deviate from how he's been talking to us to really make us reconsider our position right now. Um, but it's really just the media spinning, spinning their wheels, complete Trump derangement syndrome. Um, there's a great report put out uh, today by the Media Research Center. ABC, CBS, and NBC Evening News Times, June 1st through October 31st, 2019. Donald Trump was the subject for 838 minutes. And that doesn't of- include campaign, like, rallies right just them talking about him just them talking about him the second most talked about politician was joe biden at 74 minutes that's like a blip trump gets 11 times the airtime of joe biden just on evening evening newscast this doesn't count any of the debates or the stupid town halls but Mm -hmm. it still works out because trump had plenty of rallies that was aired that were aired too so it's basically a moot exactly 
Exactly. And there, they, even if you go back to 2015, around the same time period, Trump had double the coverage of Hillary Clinton. Yeah. That was when he announced it was, you know, it was Trump mania. He's filling a football stadium. But this is the media. This is the media's obsession with him. It's the media's obsession with trying to bring him down because they're no longer trying to make it fair. They want to go after, you know, the Sharpie gate got intermixed with Mike Pence staying at uh, Trump's Duneburg resort in Ireland when he was over in Ireland for a couple of days, even though it was like 150 or 180 miles away from like where he was having meetings. Like it's, it's not but a good look, you know, the and media then we have doesn't the- even under the, the problem is the media will never take down Trump and his supporters because they do not understand why he is so popular. Like if they wanted to take him down, then they would go down and show how the wall really hasn't been built much because that's one of the things we really want done. Mm-hmm. They should show how much we've spent because as conservatives, we hate that the government's spending. They should show how the government's expanded because we hate how that's happened. No, 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 no. They focus on all the crap we don't care about or that we frankly like. And it's and then they're shocked that it's not working. They really are, you know. It was um, it was a New York Times columnist. Uh, I forget. It wasn't it wasn't Brooks or Krugman or Friedman. It was one of one of the other one of the real flunkies that they have over there. But he was even talking about how the media and the Democratic Party are going to hand this election to Donald Trump. Oh, um, You know, but it's but it's not even that stuff because I don't really care about that that stuff as well because I believe he's. He, he wants to focus on those problems. He just, you know, hasn't really totally been able to yet. You know, he's doing a lot. He also had to deal with, he comes in, he has a Republican House, a Republican Senate. He's got a Republican House that's working against him at every turn. Paul Ryan fought against the Trump agenda at every turn when he was Speaker of the House. He did not want anything to get done. That's because that's how they stay in power, and that's how exactly. they make book deals, and that's how they get on the news, and blah, 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 blah. But, but anyways, <laughs> so we've got we've got the Air Force staying at Turnberry. That's another scandal. And the only thing I have to say to that is I hope they squeezed in around at one of the most famous, well-known championship golf courses in the world. Honestly. Which like one? if Turnberry. Trump owns Turnberry in Scotland. Um you know, you always can tell a fake scandal when the left turns into fiscal conservatives. <laughs> um, all of a sudden they're looking at this reckless spending or Trump is trying to enrich himself. And I hear them on that point. I hear them on the point of, of I don't think anyone out there on our side agrees that it's a, the optics are good when you have government money going to Trump properties. Just There should just be a blanket policy that that's not going to happen. <laughs> That it's, it's, I don't, but the, the, the reason why we, or the reason why I'm not really all that upset about it is a point that the president brought up a couple, couple of months ago when we had to deal with the whole, you know, Baltimore is terrible. It's disgusting mess. It's rat infested. It's covered in trash, which was all true, but Baltimore's received billions and billions and billions of dollars over the years. Where are the receipts, Elijah? Where are the receipts of Rep. Elijah Cummings? Where are the receipts for those? You show me the receipts for those. You want to know what? We'll stop spending money at Turnberry and Doomburg or, or uh, William Barr will have his holiday party not at the, the Trump Hotel in D.C. Um, you know, show us the receipts. We've had three, we've had what, three mayors of Baltimore now that have, that have, that have been indicted for corruption? Where are the receipts? So to even think that the Democrats actually care about this, they're just looking for something to nitpick. Um, I think it's nutty. You know, I was looking at the first thing I always do when Democrats start complaining about things that Republicans are spending money on is just you immediately go to center government waste. It's like, okay, let's look up the pig book this year. You know, what have been the silly things that that money has been spent on? You know, the United States in 2002, we spent $273,000 on combating goth culture. Uh, this year, this year, the big, the big thing the pork book pulling out was wild horse and burrow management, three earmarks, $18 million since fiscal year, 1992 abstinence, education, 129 earmarks, $23.9 million spent between fiscal year, 2001 and fiscal year, 2015. Um, the natural fish hatchery system, wool research. 16 year marks 4.1 million dollars between fiscal years 1992 and 2010. 
Um, let's and we see. spent seven and a half million dollars on the first tee golf. I'm surprised that hasn't started back up with Trump in office. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, this is this is all the Sparta Teapot Museum, 2006, two earmarks, five hundred thousand dollars. This is stuff that we spend money on. We waste a ton of money. You know, you can always go back and look at. You know, we tested. You know, what the effect of cocaine on you know chimpanzees or you know crap like that. Um, so, at no point are these these people actually ever being really right. serious. If we about ever this. really wanted to reform it, every single elected official would have one term. And it would all be done at the state level, and federal government would go back to the way the Constitution intended it, which is very little power. Yeah, well, we could, we, yeah, we could, I mean, we could go all night on the things that we would like to see change. But the point being is that this is just fake scandals from the media. Um, and it really, really picked up today with an Atlantic article um, by McKay Coppins. Uh, I think it's titled The Dynasty, The Air, The Air. I think it's also labeled secession, succession. Hmm. Um, you know, look, what's the main takeaway? There's infighting in Trump world. You're telling me that you're telling me in a multi-billion dollar organization where now the head of said business organization is now the most powerful person in the world. You're telling me that there's infighting to be the closest person to him. I'm stunned. I'm, I'm, absolutely, I'm absolutely shocked by this revelation. It's the first time this has ever happened in the history of politics anywhere. This is the first time that family has gotten involved in politics. They, they want to make you think like this is it's some sort of you know, grand con job. Um, but I want to point out things that are kind of funny in it. I took the time to read the entire article. Um, you, you know, look... Please, you could go back. Number. You could go back, and you can find similar stuff about every president ever because it's politics. It's politics, baby. There's drama. There's infighting. There's insubordination. There's sex. There's lies. There's death. In the case of the Clintons, um, a lot of death. A lot of death. A lot of still murder. Happening. Still happening. Still happening. Still happening. But I wanted to point out some of the funnier things or, or things that I thought important. Basically, the premise of the article is that there's been this power struggle behind the scenes between Ivanka and Don Jr., that Ivanka was naturally winning because she was seen as the, the golden child, you know, the heir to the throne. Um, but now that Trump's image is now so political, Don Jr. is now seen as the heir to the Trump throne um, because of how great of a job Don Jr. does at energizing the crowd. And um, this is uh, this is just a graph that I took from the article, um, but it kind of demonstrates how Don, a lot of the, the background on Don talks about how he came to conservatism and how he is a true believer. With his slick back hair and pinstripe suits, Don had carried a certain fratty energy into adulthood that periodically got him into trouble. 2002, Page Six reported that he got a beer stein to the head at a New York comedy club after some patrons thought he was reacting too enthusiastically to Chris Rock's ethnic humor, a crime that Michael Scott is also guilty of, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> he spent weekdays working at the Trump Organization where he developed a millionaire's belief in low taxes and weekends in the wilderness with his hunting buddies where he gained an appreciation for gun rights. As a result, Don came to conservatism years before the rest of the family. Um, he was really rebellious. He didn't really like his dad growing up, um, you know, but, you know, he's, he went out, found himself and he's, he's a true believer. He is, he is a red, white, and blue American talks about how, how Trump himself didn't really like some of the big game hunting aspects of, of Don Jr.'s hunting. But point being Don Jr., the real deal, true believer. And the, and the Atlantic wants to use that as like a sticking point against him. They want to use that. It's like Don Jr., he's an actual crazy person. He's like totally into the right-wing meme, right-wing meme culture and all that. And we read this as Trump supporters, and we're like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, this was definitely my favorite graph. Um, <clears throat> there is a bad word in it, um, but I read it because it really is a great punctuation on the, on the whole story. Um, and you can totally see it going down like this. 
election night. Around midnight, the family realized they would need a victory speech. No one had bothered to write one because Trump wasn't supposed to win, at least not electorally. He was supposed to go down in a spectacular blaze of made-for-TV martyrdom that all of them could capitalize on. Ivanka had a book coming out. Don and Eric were working on a line of patriotically-themed budget hotels, and preliminary nice. talks were underway to launch a Trump-branded television network that would turn disgruntled voters into viewers. Now they needed a new plan. By the way, I have no doubt that all of that was in the works because I'm sure he had plans one and through And honestly, 20. probably just put on hold for another four years and then it's coming. I, cannot, I can't wait. I cannot wait to stay in a Trump-themed, a Trump-made America-themed hotel. Yes, please. It is going to be so beautifully tacky and so kitschy and so over-the-top in every way. Like, everything Trump does, I cannot wait to stay there. And... I, I'm just I'm just so over the moon. I really need this now. Um, I'm not sure how much I need Trump TV, but I definitely need that hotel chain. Please make it dog friendly. Um, one by one, they retreated from the buzzing hive of the 14th floor of Trump Tower and rode the elevator up to their father's penthouse. Steve Bannon and Stephen Miller, sleep deprived and pulsing with adrenaline, began punching out a draft for the president-elect to read. But Ivanka took one glance over Miller's shoulder and concluded that it wouldn't do. Someone who read it later summed up the tone as, quote, we won, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) I think this might be the holy grail of documents that I would like to read. I want to read Stephen Miller, Steve Miller and Steve Bannon's original draft of what they wanted Trump to read after they realized that they had just taken down Hillary Clinton and the Clinton machine. I mean, it's got to be one of the greatest things ever written. Just pure emotion coming from them. Just absolutely, just, I'm sure it would have been the definition of just trolling leftists. Um... The, 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 and, the, and the story goes through, and you can see that, you know, there's the only, ben, the only benefit that I'm going to give to the writer on this is that you know that there's sibling squabbling. You know they're squabbling behind the scenes in every single political office ever. So I'm sure some of it's true. I'm sure some of it's not true. I'm sure some of it's embellished for dramatic effect. Um, but you can tell that at the end of the day, the writer is coming from a bad place. He's coming from a place of hatred for the president, of um, Trump derangement syndrome. <laughs> On a steamy June evening, Trump officially launched his bid for re-election with a raucous rally in Orlando. This time, Ivanka and Jared sat in the audience while Don, the president's most skilled warm-up act, strutted across the stage to fevered applause. Bellowing into the, into the microphone until his voice went ragged, he crowed about crushing the bastards of ISIS and made fun of Joe Biden for groping women. As he neared the end of his speech, Don lifted his arms in the air as if conducting an orchestra and the arena erupted in chants of four more years. In that moment, there is very little question what the future of the Trump family would look like. After a century and a half of striving, they had money and fame and unparalleled power, but respectability would remain a distant, as distant as a mirage as it was when Friedrich was chasing it across the Yukon. While no one knew when Trump, Donald Trump would exit the White House, it was clear what he would leave behind when he did. An angry, paranoid scrap of the, censure, of the country eager to buy what he was hawking. And an heir who knew how to keep the con alive. That's a bunch of bull. They just, they don't understand his supporters at all. Nope. Don't want to, don't care. We're angry, we're paranoid. We're sycophants. There's not real reason for us to exist at all. Um, but there you have it. Um, I just want to just point out, I want to end this segment before we move on. Um, on just a little bit of a light note is that even though every time you turn on the TV, whether it's for entertainment or news or you turn on whatever, everyone's got to make some stupid statement about the president. 
just remember that we are going to bed with smiles on our faces and we wake up with smiles on our faces and we're laughing more than ever while they are actually truly suffering. (laughs) And I totally love reading these things because they have nothing but pure hatred for us as people. And honestly, if you're going to profess that kind of hatred for, for me, I'm not a good enough of Christian to, uh, not return the favor. New York Times columnist Michelle Goldberg admits President Trump's 2016 victory gave her insomnia, (laughs) which she still suffers from nearly three years later. This is John Nolte Breitbart, 9th of September. In her Friday column for the far-left Times, Dare We Dream of the End of the GOP, Goldberg didn't have anything insightful or interesting to write about, so she decided to do some wish-casting by the way of something someone else wrote about, a new book by Democrat pollster Stanley Greenberg, who predicts 2020 will be the end of Trump and and shatter the Republican Party out of existence. Unbelievable. What that job. What an absolute crazy person. Greenberg's confidence will not be enough to lessen the insomnia that has plagued me since the cursed night when Trump was elected. These are the rantings of a lunatic. These are the rantings of an absolute... I mean, this is is banana land. Yeah. You have no control... Frank, let's be completely honest here. We have almost no control. You have almost no control over the outcome of a presidential election. This is stuff that is larger than just one person. Right? To not be able to sleep for three years because something happened that you have no control over would be like me being like, I haven't been able to sleep since the New England Patriots lost the 19-0 game. <laughs> like, that's the level of irrationality that we're dealing with here, people. Um, so the point being, they're spending a lot of time making up stories about Trump. They've got to fill up airtime. It's all garbage. None of this was a scandal under Obama. Last week, they kicked off last week with the stupid... A look back five years ago on when Obama wore a tan suit and the conservative media went nuts. One, maybe a couple people took some shots. I don't know. I saw a video of Rep. Peter King from New York saying it was unprofessional. I mean, if that's the best you got, that's um, pretty weak. But they went back and memorialized a quote-unquote fake scandal that they hated Republicans and were conservatives for ever since, and then literally spent the week making up fake scandals, I guess in honor of what they saw was a fake scandal with Obama, um, under the guise of there are no scandals under Obama. <laughs> when, his, when, when literally his administration started out with one, with the Black Panthers intimidating people in Philadelphia. Um, but, that's, but, that, but that's enough of the media. Um, as you can see, they're... they're they're so frightened of Trump, they're actually making themselves sick. Um, we get into segments now? Yeah, we're going to go into segments. Uh, I just really want to do a quick pat on the back for us for being just so ahead of everyone on this issue. Um, every day we get stories like this coming out. This one is about Google. Now, the headline that you probably saw on Google is they're getting sued by a whole bunch of states for anti-competitive behavior when it comes to their digital marketing. I do digital marketing for a living. I can assure you they 100% have a monopoly <laughs> over digital advertising. I don't think there's any doubt. The only person that other, the other, the other company that has a pretty sick hold on the advertising industry is Facebook online, Google yeah, and Facebook. Amazon's up and coming y'all. Amazon's up and coming too. Um, but I don't really care about I don't really care about that stuff. I know it exists. I know it's not going to change anytime soon unless they completely change how the government the that the internet is monetized, right? I mean, they'd, I don't know how it would happen, but it would it would be a pretty significant change. Um, this one's from C, This story is from CNET, though. Google's got a new face tracking camera for your home. We've got questions. Now, this is Google's new Nest Hub Max. Um, they already feature microphones that are always listening for words that wake up the assistant. Okay, Google. Hey, Google. Stuff like that. Creepy. The Nest Hub Max smart display adds a camera in it that's always watching for a familiar face. Google calls the feature face match, and it uses facial recognition technology to remember what you look like. Blah! 
After that, you can tap on the screen to see personalized bits of data like calendar appointments and Google Duo messages whenever it recognizes you. So Google is building, building, literally an entire database of what you look like and everything you interact with. Of course, Apple's already done that with Face ID. Apple's already done that. Which is why I refuse to upgrade my phone because I really like Touch ID and I'm not going to Face ID. I've never implemented my Face ID. No. Not that, not that Apple doesn't already have my picture or Google doesn't for what it's worth and doesn't have all this information. Um, but the point being is that these gigantic tech companies have databases that are just filled with the personal information of every single person who ever engages with them. That's how they make their money. You want to know I you want to know how Amazon and Google and Facebook make their money? That's how they make their money. They know everything about you. And uh, my dad was over this week and he asked me why I didn't have one of those smart locks. And I said, well, for two reasons. One, I don't really want any of these companies knowing when I'm coming and when I'm going. It seems to be like a really easily hacked kind of thing. And number two, someone can hack these things and break into your house. And why do we need it? We have a key. I just don't, I don't see the benefit. Too many so, risks, not enough benefits. But the reason why the Google thing really sticks out at me is it jogs my memory back to earlier this summer, about two months ago, when Peter, when Peter Thiel was making the rounds in D.C. Um, and he went on Tucker Carlson's show and talked about um, Google working with China, but not the United States military is peculiar, as he put it. There's this very peculiar background where Google is working with the Chinese communist government and not with the United States military. So the Project Maven decision was a decision not to work with AI with the US military, but they're working with the communist Chinese. I think one explanation is they figure they have to. If they don't give it to them through the front door, it'll get stolen through the back door. So the first answer is they have to. And then I think, of course, there's probably, you know, a broad base of Google employees that are ideologically super left wing and think that China is better than the U.S. or the U.S. is worse than China. It's always more an anti-American, anti-American than anything. Now, this all has to do with Google dealing with China to work on a censored search engine codename Project Dragonfly. They said last year the company has no plans to launch the project, but the point is they are willing to partner with China, not the United States military. So now the Chinese communist government could possibly have a backdoor to all of Google's information. And Google wouldn't care. And Google wouldn't care. So that's why this is a little bit more serious than just ha ha ha, whoa, that's creepy. This could literally be used by the Chinese to spy. That's what we're talking about here. A super left-wing Silicon Valley putting technology in our homes that could be exploited by the Chinese government. Sounds like fun. Sounds like a really great, great position to be in. Um, but I just wanted to update you guys on that, that this battle is just starting. You got all these connected devices. You think they're cool. Get them out of your home. I mean, there's a reason I didn't like it when we got the Alexa. As a gift, I was like, that thing is creepy. And it doesn't do anything. Like, it, all it does is play music. Unless you, like, already have a smart house and you can connect it to, like, your stupid oh. blinds and your lights and whatever. But we're not doing that. Well, it doesn't just play music. It also records everything you say. Yes, that too. And that's why we got rid of it. I mm -hmm. guess maybe you could be, like, order something. But, like, how freaking lazy do you have to be? Like, there's an app. Like, you don't need to ask, like... Have we become children? Like, we can't just, you know, type or anything. Now we got to ask for everything. Or write it down. Yeah. It's also turning kids into brats because they'll be like, hey, Google, do this. And now kids are being like, hey, mom, do this. You don't think it's real? I know a friend whose kid does that. <laughs> for real. That's great. Um, I don't even want to get into the John Legend thing. That's great, because I don't know what it is. <laughs> Skip. <laughs> this is the big, this is the fake news scandal that the media woke us up with today. But 
there is a criminal justice reform thing on NBC, naturally gave zero credit to President Trump for any of this and gave credit to like John Legend. Um, and Trump tweeted at him, like, he didn't have anything to do with this, actually got a pass. And, you know, Obama didn't get anything like this done. I did. And then he called John Legend's wife filthy mouthed. And then she proceeded to tweet a filthy mouth tweet at the president, confirming that she's classless. <laughs> but anyways, um, I say we move on to 2020. Uh, it's just been a hysterical week to be on the outside looking in. We've got new polls. We had a New Hampshire poll come out yesterday. Warren 27, Biden 26, Sanders 25. Mayor Pete 8, Kamala 7, Booker 2, everyone else 1 or below. Iowa, CBS. Biden 29, Sanders 26, Warren 17, Mayor Pete 7, Harris 6, no one else. Wait, can I just nitpick for a second? Why does Real Clear Politics not put the names in order of their poll standing? Like it goes Biden first, then it goes Warren, who's 17, and then it goes Sanders, 26, and then it goes Harris, 6, Buttigieg, 7. Like why are these not in numerical order? I don't know. That's going to drive me nuts. I agree. It's, it's, it's difficult. It's certainly an issue. It should be different. It this should be different. This is a serious first world problem, y'all. If Just tweet at them until they, until they fix it. Yep. And then uh, ABC News has a national poll. Biden, 29. Sanders, 19. Warren, 18. Harris, 7. Mayor Pete, 4. Yang, 3. Hi. Yang gang. Yang gang. Which sounds really close to gang bang. So I don't know if he wants to keep going with that. A little to Yang, yang gang. Hashtag Yang gang. He's going to... Well, we'll get into Andrew Yang later. Oh, well, he was crowd surfing. He's got the energy. He's got the energy. Warren's got the energy here. Kamala Harris left uh, some campaign documents behind at a diner, lamenting their, uh, where they have something, their summer, sluggish summer, I think it was, up and then down. And now coasting along in that, you know, second, that third pack, I guess. I guess Biden's Biden's still out there alone. He's still a front runner. And then Warren and Sanders. And then it's Harris and Mayor Pete. And then it's Yang, Booker, Beto, Tulsi, Castro, all of them. Um, but they were all in New Hampshire this week. They were all opening up new offices or having rallies. Tulsi was down the road from us. Mayor Pete was down the road from us. Well, everything's down the road in New Hampshire. We're not, we're not the largest. Uh, yeah, but Andrew Yang crowd surfed. Um, I think really the, the, the biggest um, thing that came out of today of 2020 is Tom Steyer qualified for the October debate. Like, like well, I was reading about it, and it was like, why haven't they upped the minimum? Like, it is getting closer to when this is actually going to go down. Aren't you trying to whittle people out? So I was thinking about this, Katie. Yeah, this is technically the time. Generally speaking, this is the, the the point of the year where people start to pay closer attention, but only for about six weeks. And they're still paying closer attention to football. But it's like six, seven-week period because then it's Halloween, and then immediately after Halloween, everyone's on Thanksgiving mode, and then after Thanksgiving mode, everyone's on Christmas That's mode. Cool. And then all of a sudden it's January and you've got Iowa, you've got New Hampshire, and then it comes fast and furious. Yeah. So, you know, in a sense, yeah, people are starting to pay close attention. It's definitely stuff that people are going to be watching more and more. And it's going to be the story of the winter. Um, But, you know, even now, I, I, I like that they're, I like what I don't understand is why they tightened the restrictions for this debate and but had looser ones for the next one. I guess it was a way of saying people can wait to make up their mind, but you're not going to be in all of them. And if you have been in for a while, you better start getting your act together. Um, so I like that he's going to be on the debate stage because uh, I really just want him to continue just lighting his money on fire. It's all going to be gone. We can only hope so. The money he made from fossil fuels, right? Right, but he's going to save the world. 
with climate change. Of course change. he is. I made They're money off fossil fuels. You're not going to. <laughs> um, we had a Trump. We have a Trump rally tonight. Can't uh, wait. Supporting North Carolina nine. It's literally going to be the most entertaining thing on tonight. I know there's football on tonight, but frankly, once you've watched Red Zone for seven hours, regular football is very slow. So trust me, folks. It's going to be more fun. Yeah, this game hasn't been royal that great, to be completely honest. What's the score? Zero, zero. Zero, zero. zero. It's a joke. Second quarter. Oh, Saints my God. Saints and Texans. Drew Brees threw an interception in the red zone. Awesome. Love it. Uh, I'm playing against him this week in fantasy, y'all. That's why. Don't don't at me. Uh, I think uh, with the Trump rally, I think there's just one more piece you want to bring up since we've just spent so much time talking about media and journalism bias. We cannot forget about academic bias, people. It exists. Your kids experience it every day, no matter what age they are. They are experiencing left-wing garbage in school system. There is a big article, or I guess it was attempted to be a scholastic piece of work of academia um, that said that uh, following Trump rallies, there's a 226% increase in uh, hate crimes in areas where uh, Trump rallies did. And this came from two, um, uh, two professors, one at the University of North Texas and one at Texas A&M, I.L. Feinberg and Regina Branton and Valerie Martinez Ebers. Ebers. Anyways, uh, three professors that said there's 226% increase in, su- in such hate incidents after Trump rallies. Uh it was quoted by Bernie Sanders. It was quoted, uh, quoted by our favorite Ilhan uh, Omar. Um, but these two uh, PhD students in economics at Harvard <laughs> looked at it and said, mm, we don't know about this. This seems a little, it seems like there are some things that they were leaving out. That there could have been a little bit more thorough um, data gathering and maybe looking at some variables so they said well we obviously don't have access to the their original data set but all this information we can get so they went out and got it and recreated the study and they recreated the study for hillary clinton rallies as well nice and wouldn't you know that there is actually a higher percentage of hate crimes that happen after hillary clinton rallies in those areas than at trump rallies what but the point being is that that was using the research mo- the model that the previous researchers used for this, that Hillary rallies are associated with a higher incidence of hate crimes after, um, the, the after Hillary rallies than, than the Trump rallies were. But they said, well, we're not really controlling for things like population. We're not really controlling, you know, for the fact that generally these candidates go to areas where they can get as many people as possible because they don't have time to shake the hands of 150 million Americans or 200 million Americans who might vote, right? So you have these large gatherings. And simply put, no one should be surprised that Orange County, California, population 3.19 million, was home to more reported hate incidents 5 and Trump rallies 2 than Orange County, Indiana, Population 19,840, which had zero of each. Um, Basically, the conclusion that they found was that when you control for things like population and you control for for many other variables, what you get is that these rallies obviously did not have, on either side, Trump or Hillary, they had no statistical impact on the number of hate crimes that no, are being... No, it's like saying having roads causes car crashes. Yeah, exactly. Well... Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're going to large population centers, you know, there's there's no proof. Um, and they looked at it and they said, and they said, you know what, the most logical explanation for why this report was done this way was of an implicit bias by these academics who didn't want... who didn't even bother to look at the Clinton data, they just looked at the Trump data, or worse they didn't report out the clinton data even though that they had done it um but the fact but the fact being that that their biases led to um this fake report that went out there and that's now been proven wrong so just something to keep in mind um 
if anyone ever brings brings up that they hate crimes, we hear there are higher incidents of hate crimes after Trump rallies. You can say, actually, if you use the same model that those researchers used for uh, the Trump claims that there's actually a in- larger increase after Hillary's speeches, but that at the end of the day, it's all bunk. Um, we're going to do a quick list of four here. List of four. List, list of, of four. four. Now, this, this has to go with the CNN energy forum. That Energy? Climate change? Whatever. It's Whatever. all stupid. Whatever. You started off. I'm still mad. I, I, that, that, that whole thing was unbelievable. That okay, was, I'm ready because I thought it was hilarious. I it was a laugh riot, in my it, opinion. I The only thing that I could think of was the Chernobyl miniseries. When okay. all of a sudden people have like hair falling out and they're bleeding out of everywhere. Their bodies are just rupturing. It's like, what happened, man? Like, that's how I felt after watching okay, this Okay, you going to let me kick it off or not? Oh. Okay, so my first one, number one. Everyone's talking about Biden's red eye. But what I'm talking about is when Anderson Cooper, who, by the way, was a host of The Mole, which no one ever talks about. Y'all got to Google it. He was a host of a ridiculous fantasy reality show. You got to watch it. It was okay. an awesome reality show. Okay, I digress. Okay, so Cooper asked him about, uh, you know, why, did, why President Obama couldn't do something. And I got the transcript so you guys can can hear it from the horse's mouth he said and they started to take away and he said whoa wait a minute man look what that's done he changed he's changed the cafe standards we're not going to meet those standards well that means boom he's done this it means bang what (laughs) (laughs) i i don't i don't even know this is pre his eye bleeding by the way so so don't don't let that sway you (laughs) Okay, you want to do your number one? We'll, just, I, we'll go back and forth like a draft. I saw, <laughs> I saw a funny thing on Twitter today of someone did the polls, but they changed the names, and it was, you know, Bernie seventeen percent, female Bernie nineteen percent, weekend at Bernie's twenty nine percent. Uh, I guess my first one is the, I watched the Castro and Castro went first, um, but I was, it was, that was just kind of just the regular reflexive liberalism. I was waiting, I was hoping for him to talk about environmental justice for trans women, just like you talked about reproductive justice. Uh, but my first one was Andrew Yang, who came up second, who was, uh, talked about a question of the influence of a lot, fossil fuel lobbyists. And he said, well, under my plan, we're going, I'm going to give every citizen a hundred democracy dollars. They're (laughs) going to be able to donate those to whatever, you know, cause they want so that we can have, you know, a fairly funded election. And I'm like, did Andrew Yang just endorse handing out shroot bucks to American citizens to make them think that, you know, they're going to change how every, how campaigns are financed in the future. Um, and then, uh, I guess I'll just add this one. I guess I'll just hey, well, add. Well, well, are you doing your number two? Because it's my turn. To you go. go number two. Okay. Fine. Okay. My number two is Buttigieg, and I would just like to say, as we were watching this live, I heard him say this, and I was like, Max, did you just hear what he said? And he's like, No. And I had to rewind it, and Max literally had to rewind this three times because he couldn't believe what he just heard. In my defense, I was already two hours deeper <laughs> into viewing this than you are, so the 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 rot in my brain had already set in to the point where i i was just basically drooling from the mouth okay so he's talking about climate change that's what the whole stupid thing's about and he said i mean this is the hardest thing we will have done certainly in my lifetime as a country he's like 30 something years old okay bro this is on par with winning world war ii perhaps even more challenging than that sorry it probably is because we're apparently at war with mother nature which is impossible you're never going to win that war hey if we're at war and this is world war ii i want to nuke some hurricanes <laughs> <laughs> i think mayor pete's like we're going to need larger nuclear weapons to defeat the hurricane <laughs> okay N- number two for you uh i'm gonna go with andrew yang again he literally endorsed cash for clunkers He's like, yeah, we should have like buyback programs for clunky cars. And I'm like, we did that. And not only did it, it ended up costing like for every, for every job it created, it cost like 
2.5 or $1.5 million per job created. Cash for Conquer is number one, so it's not an economic stimulus program. And number two, Brookings Institute set out, even set out like at the cost for this and maybe like at what pollution it saved, there are more cost-effective ways to handle this. So across the board, Cash for Clunkers was a dud. Andrew Yang is just addicted to handing out just money. He's like, Andrew Yang's got a money tree somewhere, and he's like, I'm going to hand out shoot bucks and the Freedom Dividend, and we're bringing back Cash for Clunkers. <laughs> All right. My number three is with Bernie. So again, we are, we are watching this live, and this like really... Okay, I won't make fun of people, but this teacher asked this question that basically um, humans are destroying the earth because we keep repopulating. And so we should basically educate and allow women to stop that growth, a.k.a. we should allow every woman on the planet birth control and abortions on demand whenever they want. And would Bernie support that as a way to address climate catastrophe? And he was like, oh, yeah, let's do that. What's that. next? Let's just eat people. Let's do cannibalism. Yeah, or <laughs> government mandated population control. Speaking of China, government mandated <laughs> population control for climate change. Forced abortions. Here we come, people. And you laugh. You don't think forced abortions can happen? They happen in China. Anyways, uh, number three, I'm going to go with Kamala. Um, Kamala. Just the entire town hall was hysterical. From the people who were asking her questions, they had this one obese gentleman hipster glasses man bun crappy beard looked like he hadn't showered in a week uh some you know i don't i don't know where they find these people these you know environmental activists or whatever and i don't even remember what question he asked it really wasn't important he it, it, honestly he didn't look like someone who whatever came out of his mouth was was going to be particularly insightful so that was hysterical and then just Kamala being like, I don't have a platform, so let's just like ban everything. Like eating meat, that's got to go. Plastic straws, yeah, I know those paper ones stink. We got to make them better, but I'll, I'll ban those plastic ones right now. She doesn't have a policy. She's just she's just like throwing out things to see like what gets the biggest applause line, and she's being totally exposed for it. But definitely, just like Kamala Harris, just being trying to be reflexively liberal. And just coming off as a complete totalitarian crazy person, just wanting to ban everything in life was truly hysterical. So my number four, because you always make lists of four, is kind of a cop out because I don't really have a number four. But I'm just going to say the fact that anyone was able to talk about the hoax that is climate change for seven hours (laughs) is pretty ridiculous. Imagine being in the crowd. Imagine being in the crowd. These people live it. They love it. You saw some of the yahoos and their and their titles, if you will. I, like the woman who had a daughter who was killed because she was outside when a storm came through and a tree fell on her. I mean, lady, that's just bad luck. Also, who doesn't know to get inside when there's bad weather? I mean, like a- <laughs> nice victim. I think they call that victim blaming. I'm just saying. I'm really sorry, but we can't prevent. A natural disaster. Like, well, well no, no. I mean, and, and Julian Castro had some had some tweet today about gun reforms. Like, you know, like I hear so many kids. While I'm on the trail, I hear so many parents tell me their kids are live in fear of school shootings. Like, no one should live in fear of anything. It's like, listen, dude. No one wants shootings to happen. No one wants hurricanes to happen or tornadoes or bad weather or bad things. No one wants bad things to happen, okay? But there's no law, there's no group of laws that'll ever eradicate evil. There's no law that will ban hurricanes, okay? As much fun as it would be, we can't nuke them out of existence. Um, you know, it's, it is what it is. Um, I, I, I just, I don't understand why... Democrats, well, Trump brought it up. There's an article in the Daily Beast about how Trump's like, this socialism thing is going to be tough to beat in 2020 because these candidates are just promising sunshine, rainbows, and free money to people who don't want to face the fact that the real world can be a very scary, frightening, and unpredictable place. And you either realize it, you live with it, and you go on realizing that good things are going to happen, bad things are going to happen. There's stuff that you have no control over that's going to happen. There's no reason to lose sleep for three years because your candidate wasn't elected. (laughs) These people are children. 
best, at best. And somehow they think that they have the solutions for America. We just need a bunch of laws. That's insane. It is shows such a lack. I mean, we could really dive into this for hours. It shows so many things. It shows lack in a belief of higher power, personally, I think. I was going to say, it's because they grew up without They're God godless. or religion. They're God. Well, Pastor Pete, Mayor Pete, I'm a Christian. I want to help out the poor. We're God's stewards of this, of this planet. We need to do our best. Um... I'm not gonna. We're not gonna go down the rabbit I'm not hole gonna, today. I'm not gonna question people's faith. I simply just want to point out that I find it interesting that we're that Republicans are able to mentally grasp the concept that sometimes things happen, <laughs> and that Democrats cannot grasp the concept that they are not in complete control over everything, and that they are not masters of the universe, and that they cannot fix anything on a whim because they're so enlightened all right on that note my first four um i don't know if mine's a cop out or not i watched the whole thing and i gotta say i walked away from it being like geez i think i think elizabeth warren is just gonna she's i think she's gonna just start to pick off these people one by one she's livelier than joe um she's I guess liberals find her funny and quirky and I don't... She's a weird grandma. I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 there, there's, there's something they love about her. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm being completely honest and completely objective and I put aside the powwow chow cookbook and the <laughs> weird DNA test and I put myself in the pants of a Democrat voter... You know, like if I put a mirror image of me over there on my policies and what I'd want to see, like take the absolute opposite of what I believe and put myself over there, I probably really like Elizabeth Warren and her campaign. I think she's run a great campaign. I think she's run a smart campaign, grassroots. She's going to be formidable. Um, I know Trump world is starting to to talk about her more and more being like, this is a this is a good campaign, but that's my number four. That's what I took away. I think Elizabeth Warren had herself a really nice summer. Um, All right. Trump tweet of the day. Trump tweet of the day. Let's wrap so this up. Wrap he, it up. He didn't really have any good tweets that I like really love today, and we haven't podcasted in a little bit, so I'm actually going to do one from the 6th, and we kind of already talked about it, but it's pretty amazing, and it's, it's an audio-visual one, so I'm just going to play the audio, and you guys can go find the visual part of it. All right. Let's do this. But there are many states that are under threat right now, Derek. At least six, from the Carolinas right through Georgia coastline into Florida, certainly, and then also even into the Gulf of Mexico, Louisiana, Alabama, 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 Mississippi. You need to be on the lookout. And then it ends with CNN blowing up in a fire and Trump waving his hand, which is amazing. And no, our podcast didn't skip. That's literally the video. It says Alabama like 15 times. All right. Until the next time.